has come to your little town, Sheriff. You're gonna need a bigger boat. Be my victim. Hello, my name is Austin Torres, and welcome to the Would You Die podcast, the show where we talk about our favorite horror monsters and villains. Today, I'm joined by one of the pillars of the Three Wise Men media. This guy does it all. He's my friend, Dylan Elkins, and today we're celebrating May 4th, which means we're doing a special Star Wars episode. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of you are probably wondering, what does Star Wars have to do with horror? Uh, Not a lot. This is a stretch, but I'm a huge Star Wars nerd. It's May 4th, and this is perfect. It's a good excuse to talk about it. Exactly. But I guess in our horror podcast, we should talk about horror a little bit. What is kind of like your overall relationship with horror? What's your favorite scary, scary movie? All that spooky jazz. So I don't know if we had this conversation before, but I was a latecomer to the genre because I was a scaredy child. My two earliest memories of watching movies are being at my cousin's house and they were obsessed with horror movies, even from a very young age. It's very weird in retrospect, but there's a lot of horror. And uh, my two earliest memories are being at a sleepover and hiding under a blanket while me and a bunch of other like five-year-olds are watching The Exorcist. Oh. And so and so I watched The Exorcist from under a blanket at five years old. And that traumatized me. And then a very similar experience, but Wes Craven's New Nightmare, whenever that came out. Oh, I love that movie. Because, oh, fantastic. I've always I have vivid memories of the the ending scene where they're in that weird hell dimension and just yeah. having nightmares that were literally probably 10 years i bet like that would be a messed up movie to watch very young because that movie plays with reality yes it does (laughs) the thing is probably the uh john carpenter's the thing uh is probably my favorite horror movie oh that's a good one that i mean not just like it's a good movie because duh but like that's a good pick yeah. Like if you're ever judging someone's favorite scary movies, which I do all the time, the thing is one where I'm like, you're cool. I <laughs> I, I like that. Although to be fair, I, I say I judge everyone's favorite scary movies, but I'm always like, you're cool. <laughs> the thing and being honest, Jason X. Thank you. I, I love Jason X. I absolutely love Jason X. And if you throw any Friday the th- or Nightmare on Elm Street down, I'll watch it. <laughs> So I, when I it comes Freddy. to Jason, when it comes to Freddy, like you're down. Yeah. Hell yeah. But, uh, I, I, so uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, I have a weird relationship or Friday the 13th because I've only ever seen Jason X and the the original and the, <laughs> and Freddy versus Jason, if that counts. Those are the only ones I've seen. Freddy versus Jason counts. But I love Jason X. It's so stupid. <laughs> no, I, I love Jason X too. I think it's so much fun to watch. And people are like, well, it ruins Jason's credibility. And I'm just like, they've ruined Jason's credibility when they killed him. Yeah. Like, I still love those movies, but Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives, a fun movie. That That's not one where I'm like, yes, I'm very scared of zombie Jason. I'm more like zombie Jason, get the horny teenager. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if anything killed the mystique more, it would have been Freddy versus Jason. Because at the very least, Jason X follows follows the same format, doesn't change anything, doesn't make him stupid. Well, he doesn't have he doesn't really think or do anything. So I guess he never isn't stupid that from a certain perspective. But you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. But they get if anything, it makes it's the best version. Yeah. And then you get Uber Jason. Yeah. And there's some like future Star Trek like things going on there you know what to be a half-assed segue into our actual topic uber jason has some like darth vader qualities very darth vader vibes the way they shoot him with the camera not with guns but like the way they like frame him in the shot (laughs) and like i could see like darth vader's entrance from a new hope wasn't darth vader just the 
trope of just the unstoppable walking force like Jason or Michael Myers. Just he can talk. And also he's a, he's a space wizard. Well, Darth Vader's a lot of things. But yes. I do think Darth Vader's gravitas. Yeah. And the best cape. You're right. The only villain I think that could rival Darth Vader's cape is the King Predator from like Predator 2 and Alien versus Predator. Because that guy rocks a cape. He does. Or she. That's true. We don't know. Yeah, we just know they're predators. Exactly. I don't know. And I know there's probably somebody's probably going to have an answer to this, but I don't want to look it up. But no, that's fair. They reproduce like plants. They probably just shoot off seeds that grow into predators. That makes sense. I mean, now there's a whole headcanon that I have where Audrey 2 from Little Shop of of Horrors is just a ancestor to predator. Also came from space. Could have been a hyper-evolved Sarlacc pit because Star Wars takes place a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Exactly. Now, see what we're doing here is we are building the Star Wars horror multiverse. We're bringing Predator into it. We're bringing Audrey 2. Jason X, probably. Well, you're forgetting that Yoda and E.T. know each other. And this is canon. You could argue is in the same shared universe as Star Wars, is in the same shared universe as E.T. or vice versa, which is great. E.T. is one of the greatest movies of all time. Agreed. It's it's phenomenal. But we're not here to talk about E.T. We're here to talk about Star Wars, Austin. And horror. And horror. Which... Which, another side tangent to bring it back to E.T., which we're not going to talk about. E.T. is a scary movie. The beginning's super scary. Yeah, and then, like, the part that I feel like every kid is scared by a different aspect of E.T., but we can all agree, the spaceman gets me. We can all agree that when that shot of, like, E.T. dying in the creek, and there's, like, a random raccoon, and he's all, like, pale, I think that helps us become horror fans. (laughs) go on oh that's my point like okay no that's my point um i'm not the first one to come up with that joke i know i've seen it on twitter but it's right <laughs> it's absolutely true so whoever tweeted that if you're listening i don't remember who tweeted that but if you know it's you shout out to you because you're right quality tweet quality tweet and like i wish i remembered who tweeted that so i could give them the proper due well you're doing your best effort no one can no one can come at you i hope not I'm realizing how unhinged I am right now. I, I drank a little bit of Mountain Dew. Now I'm all over the place. This is going to be one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> well, the good thing is I did a tiny amount of research going into this. Hell yeah. Because <laughs> I, I knew I knew a little bit of uh, some of the good stuff that we kind of touched on when we talked before. Yeah. Um, and then I got a smidge refresher on some of it. So it's not completely unhinged for everyone listening. A basic overview is I, it's not a theory really, but I think the lore of Star Wars and the world of horror have a lot of, they overlap in terms of like fandoms and in terms of like, I don't know, for the fact that horror icons, Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing, best known for their hammer horror films, they're both in Star Wars in very prominent roles. Very proud Honestly, of because of those Hammer horror films. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, George Lucas loves his old movies. And he uh, loves to b- borrow elements from all sorts of genres. Yeah. So, you know that, well, was Lucas in charge of, yeah, well, he was, he kind of did everything on the prequels. Mm-hmm. They, they kind of, he, he kind of took control back for those movies. So I wonder if there was a little bit of, we had Peter Cushing, now let's, now let uh, Let's get, oh my God, why is my, why is my, Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee. Why I got did you. My, just said it. I wonder, <laughs> so I wonder if there's a little bit of uh, intent there, because if you think about it too, they're very similar characters because Grand Moff Tarkin was not like the primary, I guess, antagonist, but he, his presence was huge in that first movie. So, and, and he had more screen time probably other than Darth Vader than like the emperor and then count dooku was kind was kind of in a similar slot he was that number two guy which yeah i wonder if that was intentional and they're both like political idealists yeah but i feel like to bounce off of what you were going on going on to bounce off what you were saying count dooku is kind of like that in between between grand marf tarkin and darth vader 
Yeah. Because in A New Hope, if you take that film by itself, not only is Grand Moff Tarkin the second in command behind the Emperor, yeah. he's the one telling Vader what to do. Yeah. And that, not a lot of people pick up on that. Right. And that's, I love Grand Moff Tarkin because he's, he, to, he told Vader what to do. And like he was calling the shots and he's yeah. a great villain that doesn't get, I mean, Darth Vader's iconic. And yeah. I, I think it's the sequels that make Darth Vader the great character that he is. Because in that original film, he's pretty much, he's the enforcer. He's not the Sauron. He's the Witch King. Yeah. Yeah. And that's very, a very uh, good comparison. I mean, I would say their level of the way they presented them, Darth Vader definitely was more important than the Witch King, but they filled very similar roles. They were the 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 lead bad dark wizards top guy. In scary armor. And in scary armor. But remember, Darth Vader doesn't have a weakness except for his son. The Witch King's weakness is women. <gasps> That's also Darth Vader's weakness. If you think about it, yeah. Lord of the Rings ripped off Star Wars. I think it's the other way around. Nope. Lord of the Rings nope. came first, but I'm a bigger nope. Star Wars fan, so I'm going to say you're yeah. right. <laughs> I love Lord of the Rings, by the way. I actually watched all three a couple weeks ago. I actually had the time to do it. See, for me, it's if they're on. There are like certain films you never change the channel. It's like the Lord of the Rings trilogy, The Empire Strikes Back, Jaws, and Predator. Yeah, I think the Battle of Hoth is always on TNT. I feel like it's oh, that or the space battle in of at the end of uh, Phantom Menace. I feel like those are oh, always on TV. With the Naboo Starfighters? I love that yeah. one. Oh, it's great. That's where so you do we... your great impression of Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> I didn't know I had a great one. I'll try spinning. That's a good trick. It's not even an impression. Pretty... I just say that. <laughs> it's good enough. That was pretty wizard. A lot of times I'll just butcher that line for my own nefarious reasons so like i'll try making myself laugh that's a good trick oh speaking of horror movies the, that, that freaking the acting on that little boy it's not his fault oh he's a boy and he had a bad script but still <laughs> everyone rags on him but there it is not the actor's fault no, that no, nothing that little boy did was worse than the chemistry that Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman had. And it's like everyone, everyone was just like Hayden Christensen's such a bad actor. When Natalie Portman was also like, she's half of that chemistry. Takes two now, to tango. They, were, they, they both just did not click. And then you had Daddy McGregor in the background just eating up this every scene. Oh, we could all agree he's great. But people people just blamed it all on Hayden Christensen, not to put any blame on Natalie Portman. I want to be perfectly clear right, right there. She is an iconic, amazing actress, and she proves it in movies like Black Swan and Jackie. Like she's and she's been great since she was a child. Yeah, but that doesn't mean she was good in those movies. I'm which not brings me which which brings <laughs> me to my point. It's not the actors. Right. You can only do so much. And a bad script, which I hesitate to say bad script because I think there's a lot of great ideas in the prequel trilogy, but bad dialogue. I don't know what went wrong. I just know Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman are too talented. I'll tell you exactly what's wrong with the prequel trilogies is we're telling the story of how Anakin Skywalker went from being great, noble, amazing, lawful, good Jedi Knight to being the one of the greatest evils in, villains in the history of cinema and it wasn't good they th that's my issue with it is they told a bad story about anakin skywalker his the acting wasn't even my biggest issue with it, it was the storytelling there's so much great about the prequels except for the why we were there to watch him turn into darth vader this is actually really fascinating and interesting to me but I'm having an internal debate right now. Do I derail this entire podcast and turn it into a uh, critical analysis of the prequels? Or do I somehow bring it back to horror? <laughs> the thing that's fun about Star Wars is everyone has wildly different opinions about it. Yes. It just gets annoying because everyone gets butthurt. When it's like, what do you mean Attack of the Clones isn't your super favorite all-time Star Wars movie? Attack of the Clones is 
up there with my least favorite movies. I think it's most people are like that. I was just thinking Attack of the Clones because I don't know. I like it. But uh, <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? It's just like people get so butthurt. And it's just like, guys, they're movies. Yeah, well, like, chill. The word. you're going to like some of them. You're not going to like others. Like, it's fine. If you love mm-hmm. all of them, that's great. And if you hate all of them, that's even better because you know not to watch any of them. <laughs> Star Wars fans like you of M fans. They're entitled and won't shut up. <laughs> that was a little pandering for you. <laughs> I I actually hate that analogy because I'm a huge Star Wars fan and I want to be nothing like U of M. Go green! <laughs> All All about how great they were in the old <laughs> days and, and how it's and how now it's it's nowhere near the the same highs they were at but they still act like it is they get one hit in 20 years and they act like they're back forever (laughs) Mm -hmm. see it's a good comparison i hate that you're right uh (laughs) speaking of horror let's segue into the monsters of star wars which arguably is you go ahead no i said which arguably is the best part oh oh yeah uh, the first monster I want to talk about, I think, is the most iconic monster of Star Wars, and that is the Rancor. Rancor was one of my absolute favorite stop-motion creatures ever. And the Rancor is so cool because there, it's like there's a little bit of King Kong in the Rancor. There's a little bit of dinosaur in the Rancor. Yeah. It's a big, scary monster, a big, and it scary... almost eats Luke. Yeah, it almost eats Luke. Uh, it eats Ula the dancer, and it and it mm-hmm. eats a, a nameless, faceless Gamorian, who I'm sure somebody in the comments is going to know that Gamorian's name and tear me to shreds. But I don't care about them. Um, I think it's Paul. I hope it's Paul. Wouldn't it be great if Gamorians just had normal, just human names, like yeah. the two that Boba Fett, Mitch and Greg, Mitch and Greg? Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't that be just great? I I I dig it. Like, uh, what happened to Phil? Jabba fed him to the Rancor. <laughs> Damn. Uh, Phil owed me some 19 Republic credits. Yeah, and he just had a baby. He just had a baby. Because credits will work fine. But um, the Rancor is so much fun. Uh, you brought a book of Boba Fett. That was like one of the best creative decisions in the book of Boba Fett. It's like, all right. Boba Fett's going to go on a redemptive arc, but we still need him to do something super badass in the finale that we've never seen Boba Fett do before. Uh, yep. And someone was like, I don't know, can he ride a Rancor? And well, we're just set- like, yes. <laughs> they set it up in the best possible way when he's talking to Danny Trejo when he first gets the thing, which I don't know. I, I, I haven't done the research into it. Was any of that practical? Because there were scenes... Where it looked like there was a creature there. I'm pretty sure they built a, a full-size Rancor well, for a lot of those shots. At least Ed. Because, they, like I said, it looked like there were times where there was something there. Which oh, is yeah. great. Practical effects oh. throw is better when they look worse. But oh, yeah. uh, they set it up. They have Danny Trejo talking about people riding them. And we've never seen that before unless you played uh, Star Wars Demolition for the PS1 where one of the characters is like, it's twisted metal, but Star Wars, and one of the characters is riding a Rancor. And Boba Fett is like, I ride beasts too. And it's just like, you don't really see that with the exception of like the Bantha. Yeah. Boba Fett riding, riding shit other than like the holiday special. What was, was it like a riding, did he ride like a big stupid bird? I thought it was like a dinosaur. It might've been a dinosaur. Like uh, a sauropod, not like a, li- a literal dinosaur because space, but like, yeah, right. alien 70s dinosaur. God, I need to watch that again. I haven't seen that. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing more horror, right, than a big, scary stop motion monster. Right. And I love that in the book of Boba Fett, the Rancor is used to give love to the original scary big stop motion monster, King Kong. Yes, there's a lot of King Kong in that. And I think that's awesome because we don't get the Rancor without King Kong. And King Kong is one of our first horror icons. Yeah. 
coming off the heel. I think King Kong came out in 36. So that would have been after Frankenstein, Dracula, Invisible Man, and then Nosferatu. It would have been after those films. But like, yeah, King Kong is wildly influential to the monster genre. Mm-hmm. Who's, who's got a better box office, Dracula or King Kong? That's a, Well, there's so many more Dracula movies. Are we considering like... That's true. Because you just need to get the rights to the book, which is in the public domain, right? So then do you even need the rights to it? Or can you just do it? I think you could just, you just do, do it. Dracula? So yeah, there's probably awesome. thousands of Dracula movies, but you need the rights for Kong. That's true. And it's just so much harder to make a King Kong film anyways, because you need like special effects. And with the Dracula movie, you don't you even have- need fake blood. You just need fake teeth, really. Yeah. Or you just find somebody who's got crazy teeth. I went to elementary school with a kid. He had vampire teeth. He was a vampire, dude. Yeah. Well, he only went to night school. <laughs> Wait, was that for real? No. Was there, have you ever heard of nighttime elementary school? I, you, you know what? You tried sarcasm. And to me, that was a new trick. <laughs> that was pretty wizard. Oh. But uh, he had fangs. He had fangs. Yeah, and I sharpened a wood chip into a, into a shiv just in case he tried to get vampire with me. You best be prepared. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the video games. The Night Sisters of Dathomir rode the Rancors. Oh, yeah. And that's I, I, horror. I, so I never watched Clone Wars. And I know okay. they did stuff with the Night Sisters. No idea they did that in Clone Wars. But I forget. Was it Force Unleashed one or two? I think it was one. Okay. Because you did have to fight some Rancors. Because that's where Shock T was hiding. Yeah. And that was like the eighth time they killed Shock T in like two years. Which also segues into, perfectly links up if memory serves, into probably, uh, I would say probably more iconic, not to, no offense, than the Rancor, but that's where you get to the boss battle where you fight the biggest Sarlacc I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. The Sarlacc's interesting because it's a monster, but I always view it as a setting. Okay, that's interesting. Because stuff happens at the Sarlacc. I think it's because of the whole Jabba Sail barge set piece in Return of the Jedi. And like, if you have any Star Wars video game ever, the Sarlacc doesn't really do anything. But if you get too close, you fall in and get eaten. It was, well, uh, we, we just talked about it earlier. Audrey 2 is very immobile. Oh. Except when it figures out how to move. Because it did that, I think, towards the end of the movie. It figured out and how Ar- to move. And Audrey 2 sings. Have you ever tried, seen anyone try to talk to the Starlight Pit? You know, Book of Boba Fett. Missed opportunity. He's, yeah, he's going to make friends with the Starlight Pit. It's going to be his friend. Call me John Favreau. I got notes. <laughs> Let but, me uh, tell you who who single-handedly gave us the MCU and Elf. Let me tell you, John Favreau, how to do your job. <laughs> but yeah, I just remember that being also I wish we got that Sarlacc in the movies, though. The one that was literally miles long. But in, in 1983 times, that would have been really hard. So I get why yeah, we got what Austin. we got. <laughs> it's 2022 you're right you're right give me a give me an unfathomably large sarlacc pit well mando season two gave us the crate dragon it did and that did not disappoint no that was awesome that was the godzilla if the rancor yeah, is the king kong of the star wars universe we finally got the godzilla think we're gonna get a fight think, think we're gonna get a crate dragon versus rancor fight the crate dragon's too big yeah, but imagine a Rancor riding a crate dragon. Oh, but is that really would, a fight? Well, they become, it's, it's classic. Oh, okay. And then, they, and then they have to fight like an Imperial Walker? Yeah, or, or Star Destroyers. I don't know. It's Star Wars. We got this. But That's John Favreau's job to figure out. It's my job to figure out because I'm giving him notes. I'm going to move on from the King Kongs and the Godzillas of the Star Wars universe. We're going to talk about the, I'd say he's like the abominable snowman. We got to talk about the Wampa. The Wampa, that poor one-armed creature 
that just wanted to keep Luke Skywalker safe and away from the cold, and Luke cuts off his arm. Most misunderstood well, character franchise. Well, no, because that Wampa, in addition to being our abominable snowman tie-in, is really our Buffalo Bill tie-in. Because he was going to tell Luke. Oh, my God, I love it. It rubs a lotion on the skin or else it gets this motherfucking hand again. <laughs> God, now I want to see that movie where Space Cops, those guys from the <laughs> X-Wing guys from book from the Mandalorian have to oh have to have to reach out to I don't know freaking Bosk or something <laughs> in a space prison to investigate the kidnapping of somebody by Buffalo Wampa. Buffalo Wampa. You could have went with Wampa Will, but no, we got Buffalo <laughs> Wampa. Buffalo Wampa is the only way to go. <laughs> Wampa Will ain't cutting it. <laughs> well what's great about the Wampa too is it, it, it when you it's so scary. Yeah, the the whatever kind of suit it was in looks great, but my biggest memory of the Wampa is just how they. Have you ever played? Did you ever play Shadows of the Empire for the Nintendo sixty four? No, I didn't. Well, in the very the second level, the first level is the Battle of Hoth. The second level, you're like in Echo Base or something, trying to escape, and then uh, there's just this room you go into full of Wampas, (laughs) and they're very difficult to kill with the generic blaster, which is all you have at that point in the game, and they just follow you until they can't follow you anymore. Well, this is actually a really, a really good segue into where I think uh, Star Wars and horror intersect is in video games. Yeah. And not necessarily that they made a Star Wars horror game, which zombie stormtroopers on a Star Destroyer would make an amazing survival horror game. Well, that was kind of a book. Yeah, but I want it to be a video game. Yeah, that would be great. But when you play like these, like Shadow of the Empire or even games like Star Wars Battlefront. I I like to play some horror games, but nothing's as scary as being a lowly rebel trooper turning the corner and coming across fucking Darth Vader. Yeah, that's so great. That gets you every time. Star Wars Battlefront had Wampas. It did. It had a whole Wampa mode. And that was scary when you weren't playing as a Wampa. Yeah, they have that whole Wampa mode where you just Wampa storming the, the base that ha- just had turret. That's so great. I remember that. And say what you will about uh, the new star, the new Battlefronts. They made Darth Vader scary as hell. Hell yeah. They did nothing else right. They did Darth Vader a whole lot of justice. Darth Vader is such a fascinating character. He's tragic. He has yeah. this redemptive arc, but he is he's scary. Mm-hmm. Because... At the end of the day, he's a big robot space wizard dude. He's Jason with magic. Jason acts with magic. Jason acts with magic. Same guy. And he's just like, he could choke you with the thought, like, with the thought of his mind. Not only can he choke you, he can make a corny dad joke at your expense. (laughs) Wow, he's choking you. (laughs) Like, you are on your knees dying, and he's punning. He did that. And he does it multiple times. Yeah, but do you think anyone there was thinking, boo? No, because they knew they'd get choked next. <laughs> what Fear. Somebody had Fear it. will keep these governors in line. Fear of <laughs> me fucking choking them with my mind. What if somebody had the guts to just say, boo, puns are the lowest form of comedy. I find your lack of humor disturbing. <laughs> Speaking of Darth Vader, though, like, one of one of, one of my favorite movies I've seen recently, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take a leap here, but then I'm gonna tie it all back. I got you. So you just gotta go with me on the ride. We're we're um, already flying. N- not even just horror. One of my favorite movies I've seen <laughs> in the last couple of years was Halloween Kills. Oh, I see what you're saying. Just like movies overall, I was like, yeah. no, that's a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not even just horror movies overall. I yeah. loved Halloween Kills. It was too new. For me to say it was one of my favorite movies when you asked me earlier, but I'd put it up there. I adored that movie. And the scenes, the, the best scenes in the movie were where he's fighting off the first responders. And then when he's fighting the entire town <laughs> at the end of the movie. And that's just the end, Rogue One. That's all that was. With, with, with the end of Rogue One is one of the best horror scenes 
of this decade. Well, I guess the last decade, technically. Or the past 10 years. Yeah. And that, that's, all, that's all Halloween Kills did. They were like, well, Star Wars, Rogue One did this great scene. Let's just steal it and do it with Michael Myers. I get that. I think it's time to talk about Darth Maul. I'm, I, Darth Maul's great. Darth Maul is scary. Darth Maul's the reason I think people saw Phantom Menace. And when he showed up in Insidious, I, I freaked out. <laughs> it's not even the first time I've heard you make that joke. <laughs> and I loved it again. <laughs> but it's so scary. It's so scary. It's eerie how they had to know, right? Someone had to make that connection. They had to know that was just Darth Maul. But that, that's the thing. That's the thing, because I imagine in the concept design and the pre-production of the Phantom Menace, the concept artists and whatnot working with George. Okay, so you have this character you wrote, Darth Maul. What are you kind of thinking of in terms of like visual direction? And George Lucas said, give me the fucking devil. You brought up something that I've that I wanted to bring up when you first brought this idea up to me. So keep uh-huh. going. OK. All right. But yeah, it's just like Darth Maul is just the devil incarnate in Star Wars. And I didn't really watch the Clone Wars, the new the Dave Filoni Clone Wars. So I just I know they do. I know they flesh out the that character in that one yeah. whatever i'm gonna say has nothing to do with that show in terms of just the skywalker saga no expanded universe darth maul is the personification of the dark side there's yes. no one more evil than darth maul and it shows up visually yeah the only one arguably more evil is emperor palpatine but Darth Maul is just, he is a personification of the dark side. He yep. is a manifestation of rage. Yeah. He is anger. And, and then it show. oh, oh, God, I had the guy's name because I knew we were going to talk about it. And now I, the guy who played Toad. Ray Park. Ray Park. So two things, a couple of things that they, people, they just, people who made Star Wars are able to figure out. And it's, getting Mando to emote through his helmet and Ray Park completely channeling this made-up mysticism, the dark half of this made-up space wizardry in his choreography. Everything he does, if you if you watch, if you're like, I'm assuming you've watched that fight thousands of times like I have. Oh, yeah. All of everything to do with the Sith comes out in his in in his fight well it's like the iconic music that goes with that that's called duel the yeah. fates yeah and um everyone used to rag on the star wars prequel lightsaber fights being too showy sometimes they all, need to be an all fluff and such yeah but that that pre- that prequel fight at least the lightsaber fight with darth maul qui-gon and obi-wan not only is it great, but there's a lot of subtext going on. And I don't think it's an accident where George Lucas is like, okay, here's Qui-Gon Jinn. He's space Jesus. <laughs> and here's the fucking devil. <laughs> it's a literally duel of the fates. Yep. And Star Wars borrows from all, not just sorts of all sorts of pop culture George Lucas loved, but all sorts of culture. So there's a lot of Western samurai culture. Every, I'm sorry, a lot of Eastern samurai culture, like Darth Vader's helmet, for example. The Jedi yeah. are basically samurai. But well, he, like he a, loved Kurosawa. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But like, that's one of the rare, not rare, I guess, but like, you don't see a lot of Christian influence in Star Wars. No, and except I think, for the very obvious at times Jesus stuff. <laughs> right. But I think I think it's like the image, the visual image of Qui-Gon and Darth Maul fighting in the desert. Oh, yeah. Like that's a biblical image. Uh, Growing up, my mom had my mom's obsessed with Stephen King. Hell yeah. And I don't know. Are you familiar with The Stand? I've never read it or watched the show, but I'm familiar with it. That's my favorite Stephen King story. I've never read it, but I've (laughs) seen both TV series and I've read the synopsis and like the 
not like the actual book, but like the chapter by chapter, like what happens. And so I, I love it. Uh, and the the cover of the book was basically Qui-Gon Jinn in the desert sword fighting this lizard creature. <laughs> and I remember thinking, making that comparison when I saw it. And that's and the stand is very heavy-handed. God versus the devil, and the, just the similarities there. Star Wars is great. Oh yeah, they know what they're doing, and, and no, they exactly know what they're doing, mm-hmm. and that's why I love that sequence. One because it's so critical to the development of Darth Vader. Yeah, because Qui Gon not only is that like Jesus figure just appear good he's the only jedi that kind of sees that the jedi are going down the wrong path mm-hmm. i think yoda figures it out a bit too late and um i'm paraphrasing here because the stuff i'm saying now i saw in an interview with dave filoni who's <laughs> a far bigger star wars fan and far more intelligent oh, in yeah. star wars than i'll ever be that man eats breathes and lives star wars but when darth maul kills qui-gon that's that's the battle yes obi-wan kills darth maul but the only figure that could have prevented vader it's well the only figures that could have prevented vader are padme and qui-gon See, that i don't know because anakin get in my, in my the very limited amount of time he spent with qui-gon to me, that's where the, you know, I know you didn't watch Clone Wars, but mm-hmm. in, it's there in uh, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, his rebelliousness and his kind of disregard or disrespect for the, uh, I guess, the, the way the Jedi are, he gets that from Qui-Gon. That's and Qui-Gon, his rebellious kind of attitude towards the Jedi. And Qui-Gon was right. So, so I think that you may, maybe it would have been different, but I still think he has that, uh, I guess, angst towards the traditions. I think Qui-Gon would have broken the traditions because he was already starting to do so. Yeah. And the very worst, Qui-Gon and Anakin could have left the Jedi Order together. Right. Which, I, yeah, I think something like that or a turn would have been inevitable. If Qui-Gon stayed with the Jedi. But I think I think Qui-Gon and Padme are the two most crucial figures in keeping Anakin towards the light. And then it's timing with Obi-Wan. Well, Obi-Wan was his brother. Right. Obi-Wan wasn't his father figure, even though he trained him. But had had Obi-Wan not been hunting General Grievous, there is a different distracted for sure. Yeah. There is a different timeline of events, at least. But Palpatine knew what he was doing. Oh, Palpatine. That wasn't the first boy Palpatine groomed. Oh, oh, yeah. That definitely, Pal- wasn't, the first, that definitely wasn't the first time Palpatine R. Kelly'd someone. And Palpatine, like, okay, I may have lost Darth Maul, but he was not the end game. And, he and I got rid of one of my greater opponents. And, and whereas clearly... About. <laughs> and whereas clearly he was able to turn vader while padme was still in the picture i don't think i don't think anakin stays vader very long had padme not died and yeah he he and he doesn't get the empire with padme still fighting i think the empire still happens i just think anakin's not a part of it i think he leaves if if padme survives the birthing doesn't die of a broken heart um yeah which again i i hate that but uh i always i always thought i'll tell you what i always interpreted now this could just be bullshit like a lot of star wars fan theories are but i always read that scene because how the fuck did palpatine know you know and then he's smiling after he delivers the news oh yes he has no reason to know that panme was even there that's a very good point so I think because Palpatine is extremely strong in the force, he's just kind of used the force to drain life from Padme. Okay, that's interesting. Because how does he know? How does he know she's even dead? 
unless he's doing a very lucky lie. <laughs> well, you know what? If in the middle of a military coup, what? let's use the, the freaking, let's, let's just use a real life comparison here. In the the January sixth, whatever you want to, not getting political. Whatever anyone listening wants to call what happened, whatever you want to call that, it happened. Um, but like, let's say uh, a senator was killed in 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 the event. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it wasn't like a public thing, we you'd find out about it. And she was queen of Nabu. right? So I'm sure because time's a little off. We don't know when what happened at that point like how far removed are we from that when he gets the news delivered to him that she died of a broken heart so i'm guessing that was just news that she died the way it's cut it's implied that the birth of vader is happening at the same time as the birth of the twins like those are two simultaneous events that's how i always read it okay but um but I'd have to rewatch it. And there's, it's always a great time to rewatch Revenge of the Sith. I love that movie. But um, I rag on it, it's so fun. I love it. I, it's one of my favorites. But, um, and not just Star Wars, like movies. <laughs> yeah. But um, the editing implies that those are simultaneous events. Um, at least the way I read it, it does. Okay. I never thought Anakin killed Padme. I thought Palpatine finished the job. I think, well, Anakin clearly lost his cool and choked her, but she was alive, you know? Yeah. She was alive all that way. And I think, because it's the droids that say she's dying of a broken, we're losing her, we don't know why. I think it's Palpatine manipulating the force and the droids are like, must be a broken heart. Well, can a droid make a guess like that? I think the droid literally says she's dying and we don't know why. I wonder if a droid can speculate like that, though. Anyway, because the thing is, like, we always say it's like, oh, she died of a broken heart. But like, when does a movie say that (laughs) her dying breath is there's still good in him? And then we don't see it for two movies. She was right. But that's not the dying words of someone with a broken heart. That's the dying words of someone not ready to give up. Yeah, I see that. Well, so to back up your theory there. Uh, we saw Luke was able to do from across the galaxy and Darth Sidious bare minimum comparable. So there's no reason he couldn't have been powerful enough to manipulate the manipulate what was happening there remotely. And I think that's what, like, I think she was weak from being choked because duh, but I think Palpatine finished the job because how would he have known? And then that little creepy smile he's doing, that's a horror shot. (laughs) <laughs> when he's like slinking into the saddle, smiling like I made the insidious joke earlier, but that shot reminds me of when the creepy old lady is slinking back into like the mirror shadows at the yeah. end of insidious. That's Palpatine telling Vader Padme's that got got yeeted. One of the scariest scenes is when he's trying to electrocute Mace Windu. And he just starts to contort and turn into the gross emperor. That's some of the few body horror elements of Star Wars. And Star Wars is ripe for body horror. Well, in the cinematic universe, it is. In the expanded universe, there's the Yuuzhan Vong, who they're a horror movie themselves. And everything they do is like weird BDSM biotechnology. Oh, yeah. um, I think you said this when we were talking earlier. They're like the Cenobites of Star Wars. Yeah. Like, they're not, like, supernatural, like, Cenobites are, but they, like, worship right. pain and death. They're super cool. I recommend, if you've never, if you don't know anything about it, do do a quick Google, because that's a rabbit hole right there, because that was, like, a whole arc they did. Uh, I think Yeah, those are Chewbacca. some creepy motherfuckers. Yeah. Um, they're the ones that did, like, didn't they throw a moon at Chewbacca or something like that? Yeah, well, because they have, like, world ships, because they, they left. Yeah. They're from a galaxy and their galaxy's rules were different so they're actually like immune to the force so i just gotta go down another rabbit hole with you real quick i'm not a yeah. rise of skywalker hater but anyways the fact they made Pal- um ray a palpatine unnecessary they could have done it well but they didn't and the fact that they did it now i have to grapple with the real horror of star wars 
and that's Palpatine doing the nasty. He was a normal looking guy before. Have you seen X? Yes. That that is implied by the rise of Skywalker. (laughs) Sheev Palpatine was a normal looking guy who turned into a ghoul. Sheev Palpatine was a ghoul by the time like when Jodie Comer and some other dude are your children. Because Ray is like the grandpa, right? Granddaughter. He did not have sexual relations when he was a charming Ian McDermott. (laughs) You think it was after? Mathematically, it was after. Huh. Oh my God, you're right. Because Luke was 18, 19 when the series starts. Right. And that would have been... And Ray's born after all. You're right. Like Luke is, I think it's implied that Luke is Ray's parents' age. Yeah. At least. That's the same generation. You know, it would have been better than having randomly having her just be a Palpatine. Maybe anything. Hint at it over the previous two movies. Also, don't give us that you're that you're putting the emperor in the movie in the trailer. Let that be a surprise. Yeah. Also, just don't do that. There's there's no reason that Ray couldn't have been. Luke had a kid in the expanded universe. I think he might have had more than one. He might have had a son and a daughter, but I know for sure he had a uh, Ben Skywalker. Or she could have just been Ray. Yeah, could have been nobody because like, anybody that was the fourth. That was fine because it's just like, well, I think it's because she's a girl. Because like. People are like, well, Luke comes from Darth Vader. It's like, yeah, no one's saying Obi-Wan's parents is this. Mace Windu's parents is this. No one yeah. knows if Yoda has parents. Like Trivia think- about Obi-Wan's upbringing, if you don't know already. Do you know what planet Obi-Wan's from? Obi-Wan-ia. He's from a planet called Stujan, which was, I guess, and this is a secondhand account of hearing this story. So I'm going to have mm-hmm. details wrong. But George Lucas was in an interview with John Stewart. And John Stewart was like, hey, name something after me. And he was like, all right, the planet Obi-Wan's from a Stew John. And Google it, Obi-Wan's from Stew John. That's a baller John move. Stewart. Yeah. I want to create a world so iconic where people's like, name something after me. And I'm just going to be like, my iconic villain has a brother named Phil. And it's canon now because I make the rules. Exactly. McClunky. <laughs> I love Star Wars. I love Star Wars so much, too. Shout out to General Grievous. General Grievous, honorable mention. Horror potential. So but General yeah. Grievous, super scary, right? Well, like, first off, he's got those monster eyes. He's a yes. robot with monster eyes. He hunts Jedi. Yep. There's a body horror element if you let's say you explore his backstory when he's a murder alien and he is clever you know what before like five minutes before we zoomed i looked up what he was can't remember what it was called anymore it was like some sort of alien species they all have like skull faces yeah and that's creepy his cybernetic armor is supposed to resemble his tribal like ritual hunting outfit but i think there's a very if you're talking about like a horror star wars miniseries for disney plus i would look at darth maul i would look at general grievous darth maul's brother too yeah i think there are horror elements there that could be used or you go with that one book and do a stormtrooper zombie infestation on a star destroyer that'd make an amazing miniseries or a movie or a movie are uh are you familiar with a character might butcher the pronunciation uh Abeleth. sounds familiar so Abeleth, right i'm gonna get specifics wrong sue me there's these like force deities they're like a, the father and then there's the two yeah. children and they had this like caretaker who was just and, and there's these like immortal force beings and they had this caretaker who was just this mortal woman whose job was to raise these two essentially force gods one represented the light side, one represented the dark side, and they're immortal while she's aging. And as soon as she's getting close to death, she's not able to control them anymore. They don't listen to her. 
So she goes to the force, the two like force points, if you, whatever you want to call it on the planet. One's like the fountain of wisdom and the other one's something else. And she takes in both aspects of the force powers and becomes this just immortal, I guess, the closest thing I think it was like eldritch force demon that, uh, again, I don't know all the specifics, but basically goes through and decimates the Star Wars universe. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I would that look sounds, it up. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's and and I think that's perfect for a like a, a later like if you wanted to do like it, that could be Star Wars's Endgame mm. or Infinity War, or whatever is the build up to this because Luke Skywalker even says that it's the most powerful thing that's ever existed. He the the combined might of the Jedi was like what like not even a thousand of that thing's power and it's pretty dope and they even so these immortal force gods had to work together with these other aliens to create this super prison in the in the middle of the in the middle of the galaxy like the galactic core to just keep the thing contained and make it gets out nice as it should because that's how stories do that i just had a really crazy idea but it's technically possible because Star Wars owns the rights. No, uh, Disney owns the rights to both Star Wars and 20th Century Fox. Ripple Squadron on some sort of warm temperature planet. They're hunting for, let's say it's post Return of the Jedi. They're hunting for Imperial outposts. Well, you got to root them out. Exactly. Yeah. Let's just they come across find- one and they come across one and it's cleared out already. Place is covered in blood. No bodies. Okay. Maybe some leftover pieces of armor here and there but really no bodies so they fan out scan the perimeter and they find a bunch of skinned stormtroopers and imperial officers hanging from a tree this is how you bring the predator into the star wars universe there's no reason not to do predator or alien or the thing there's no reason not to do it you own the rights disney who owns aliens is that 20th century Fox too yep yeah no reason not to do it the only one I think that you can't do is the thing. I think that's Universal's. I'm almost positive it is. But Disney, you have Star Wars, you have Alien, you have Predator, and you have the Guardians of the Galaxy. Star Wars and Marvel could coexist. And I think you could throw a Predator in the mix as well. A Predator in the mix. You you can have Luke Skywalker fight off a Predator. You can have you you can you can you can have the New Republic fight Galactus. Hell, you know how cool it would be if Doctor Strange just like had a fend off a room of xenomorphs, but like, they won't. Or like if Darth Vader finds himself on a xenomorph planet and gets the uh, bad attention of a xenomorph queen. Well, if, it, if it's pre New Hope era Darth Vader, he would be there probably to to get it and have an army of them. That's that's something the Empire would do. Oh yeah, come on Disney. You have the Listen you have the means. You make all the money, so give the people what they want. Predators. <laughs> That's what the people want. We want predator. We we just want predators, <laughs> and yeah. not the kind of predator that Olivia Munn got kicked off the set of Predators. No, not not real predators. <laughs> we want movie predators. What's the coolest alien? Xenomorphs are pretty cool. Predator's cooler. It's got the dreads. It's got the armor, the stick. Yeah, but you can like look a xenomorph in the face and you could call him a dickhead and you wouldn't even insult him. One, because I don't think they register language. Two, because you're right. <laughs> but yeah, I love Star Wars. I love horror. <laughs> yeah, I think this was a more Star Wars episode than it was a horror episode. Yeah, but but it was a stretch. We tried. The we tried hard, cute. but there, we 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 tied it back. We talked about we Insidious, it. and also but let's not forget one of the very first scenes of A New Hope when they're in the Moss Isaac Cantina. There's a Wolfman. There's another devil. There's a there's a devil. A, this is a straight up devil. And there's so, a there's a giant praying mantis. Yeah, bugs are scary. And then the guy who Obi Wan cut his arm off. He doesn't like you. <laughs> Get the death sentence on 12 systems. I'll be careful. You'll be dead. <laughs> I, love, I love I love I think I think the one dude is like 
Panda Baba or something like that. I had the toy of the 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 alien. I think he's like that was because I think it's Kenner made all the good Star Wars toys in the nineties, and they made toys of every character. Yeah, I think it's Pond either Panda Baba or it's like Richard. I know. I think you're right. I think it is something. If it's not Panda Baba, it's something close or Richard. Yeah. Any final thoughts on Star Wars or horror or Predator? Again, Predator, coolest alien in all of science fiction. Thoughts on horror? It's great. To me, horror is, it's like pro wrestling. When it's bad, you want, you don't want people to know you like it. (laughs) But when it's great, there's almost nothing better. I feel that. Yeah. When when horror is at its peak, it, some of the best movies ever made. And then yeah. Star Wars, the big takeaway from that is there's always a bigger fish. There's always a bigger... How did that not come up earlier? I don't know. If, if there's one takeaway from this whole conversation for the viewers listening through the audio scope, it's that horror's everywhere. Everything's scary. Don't mm-hmm. leave house. You, you can't, can't escape. It, even in your sci-fi fantasy about space wizards, and women dying of broken hearts. There, there's still claymation monsters, just like uh, Jason. Literal devils with double-sided lightsabers. Literal devils, bigger fish than the last one you saw. Six foot six men in dark armor massacring hallways. Horror is across the Star Wars universe. Yep, and honestly, it, it frightens every man. Yeah, well, nothing's t- more terrifying. And the women and children, too. I see what you did there. There's no skin, <laughs> empty void space. So if you love horror, you're going to love Star Wars. If you love Star Wars, you'll love horror. It's all there. No one's going to make the argument that Star Wars is horror. It, it just simply isn't. It is if you want to talk about Star Wars for two hours. Stretch. But <laughs> Star Wars is big enough to the point where it it just it takes from every genre. Yeah. And horror is not exclusive to that it is one of the genres whether it's monsters whether it's through villains or literally taking iconic horror actors horror star wars this is just our plea for a true star wars horror it'd be a shame to not do it 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 would it would be it it would be like i try star wars horror that's a good trick (laughs) uh it would be pretty wizard oh my goodness um so we're where can the peeps find you if they like your voice, they like what you do? Do you have anything to plug? All that jazz? Yeah, everything I do is with Three Wise Men Media. So YouTube, Three Wise Men Media, T-H-R-E-E-Y-S-M-E-N Media. Uh, the Facebook, the Instagram, all Three Wise Men Media. I have an Instagram. Don't bother. <laughs> I, it, it's 90% pictures of my face or objects at my place of work. And it just says hashtag TCB with a lightning bolt next to it. So don't bother with my social. Um, But we do have the Motor City Mo Kickstarter that's starting, I guess when this comes out, it'll have been like two weeks, but uh, we got the Motor City Mo episode four Kickstarter. uh, And that's- That's a comic book, right? Yes, that's a comic book that me and the other guys at Three Wiseman Media wrote. And uh, we're looking forward to that. That's my plug. And also watch our videos and also watch Austin's videos because we're all family. (laughs) Yeah, we're all part of the three wise men media family. That's where the would you die videos are. Mm -hmm. And then there's trailer reviews. There's uh, movie debates, but they're not really debates on movies and they're not really debates. No, but it's just a bunch of us nerdy nerds having a fun time. There's a lot of professional wrestling, too. There is, which was not part of the plan. Oh, really? <laughs> no, we just we, we decided to start selling Tyler's merch for him and then found out that people wanted to buy his merch. So we we're like, oh, well, let's lean into this. And it's like probably like the biggest, like yeah, the biggest thing, thing we do. <laughs> but yeah, that's three wise men media. Because right. I just realized we didn't really explain <laughs> in case yeah, someone's like, news listening. Right. Multimedia company comic books podcasts videos uh finding out whether or not you would die comparing things to space jam pro wrestling (laughs) and all and all basically whatever we want to do exactly and it's great 
and we have a lot of fun. We do. Check check uh check out Three Wise Men Media on the YouTube, on Facebook, and Instagram. And I hope you have as much fun watching our stuff as we do making it. Yeah. Thank you for listening to today's episode. And if you're listening to it on the date this premieres, happy Star Wars Day! Thank you to my friend Dylan for talking horror and Star Wars with me. And of course, check out Three Wise Men Media and the Motor City Mo Kickstarter. Links will be in the episode description. You can find the show's social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Would You Die Show. The music featured at the beginning and end of each podcast episode is composed by my friend Josie Palmer. Next week, we will have a Friday the 13th, and the topical villain will be very relevant to that date. Need I say more? Tune in next week when we talk about that spooky icon and more. Until then, I'm Austin Torres. Try not to die.